So Philippians 4, one verse, verse 13, everyone knows it, I'm sure. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, Paul's writing this or proclaiming it from a, a, a victorious overcoming lifestyle. Doesn't mean that it was easy for him. It doesn't mean that he had it all plain sailing because we know Paul didn't. And the gospel of come to Jesus and life is rosy is not the real gospel. But come to Jesus, he'll never leave you nor forsake you no matter what come, come what may. That is the truth. And he writes here, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he's writing this in the context of the circumstance. The context of the circumstance. So if I can do all things, so, and I've said it, we preach it, we talk about it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And it's truth, and it's true. But it's in the context that we have to put it in. If I can do all things through Christ, I can't walk on water. Well, then it's not true. If I put it in that context, I can't walk on water. I can't go underwater 50 to 100 foot down without breathing apparatus and stay there for 35 minutes or an hour. I can't do that. I can't jump out of an airplane without a parachute. Well, I could, but I wouldn't live to tell the tale. So you see, in the context of circumstances, what Paul is writing this, we must get the word in context. I can do all things through Christ. Obviously, his sufficiency is not of himself, but always of Christ. So when Paul is writing this, let's look at this man. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, briefly turn over, keep Philippians 4 as well open. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please. This is the same man who writes two-thirds, roughly two-thirds of our New Testament. 1 Corinthians, pardon me, 2 Corinthians, I'm saying first, 2 Corinthians, pardon me, chapter 4. And let your eye run down to verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. Notice that. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And sometimes, no matter who we are, we tend to run on before God. We tend to know in the back of our heads that we can do nothing without God. That without him we are weak and almost useless and Without his spirit, we'd be dead to the things of God. We know that in the back of our head. But it gets to a place, a point in a time in all of our lives when we do run ahead of God and we think, well, God's with us. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. And in a sense, that's true. But in a context, sometimes it isn't. So this morning we're speaking of, I can't. I can. I can't. That's the title, I can't. I can, I can't. Now, Paul isn't a double-minded man, as James says, who's unstable in all of his ways. Some people are so double-minded, 
you know, they're, they're, they're fixed on, I want to do this for ministry, and 10 minutes into it, no, I want to do that instead. I want to do this for God, and a week or two into it, nope, I'm going to do that instead. And there's no stickability. There's no faithfulness in that with them. And it's, they're double-minded, and nothing in their spiritual walk will walk right because they're all over the place. They're not, they're not anchored and secured and grounded in the very things that God would give them to do. And in our own life, in our own walk, and in all that we do, we need to be the same. Single-minded, does it glorify Christ? Does my life glorify God? No matter what we're going through. For example, Paul writes here, let's read it again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. So it's him that gets the glory. Do you ever get so weak? Say, I want to take my time. I want to minister to you this morning the best the Spirit can help me and lead me. But do you ever get so weak? You feel so useless and powerless and down. You feel so carnal and weary. You know what? You just feel human. Feel depressed. Where are you, Lord? Sometimes we try those things when we go on in that place and we, we go through the motions. And yes, the Lord is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And yet God has his hand on us. Absolutely he does. But it's how we think and feel at times. And we measure God's love to our love. Because we can love more one day than we do the next. We can love God greater in a revival meeting when we're singing all the wonderful hymns and psalms and so on and songs to him when we're gathered with people like mind. And we can love him all the joys in our heart and we can love him but yet the next day we could be as dead. We could feel lower than a rattlesnake's belly going up a wagon rut. You ever, you ever felt there? Many a time. I can't do this. I can't. I can't do it. I can. And then I can't. There's things we cannot do. And sometimes our minds have us enslaved and trapped. Our hearts have us enslaved and trapped. And we're trying to fight against it. And here's the thing. But everything that is done in our lives as Christians, as born-again, blood-washed believers, it's not for our glory. It's always for him. And when things keep happening, I mean for the glory of God. Let me give you an example. Driving here this morning, thinking about these things, and I said, Lord, the people aren't coming to CET. For no reason, you're doing something. The people aren't getting out of their bed and driving, some from pretty far away, some from around the corner in Guildford itself, for no reason. You're doing something because I can tell you, it's, Lord, I know it's not of me. The Lord may take a man and a woman and gift them and use them for his glory as he does, and he uses that. 
But at the same time, it's not for me because I am the weakest vessel. I'm weak. And I just felt the Lord saying to me as I was driving in toward the village, you're right, son. But in your weakness, you can see that it's my glory, that all of this is of me. Because the first time you and I think that any of it, any of it is of us, Yes, we must work. Yes, we must labor. Yes, we must be available for God to use. Yes, we must say, Lord, here am I, send me. Yes, we must do that. But it's God makes us willing to be that vessel. He actually brings us to a place to be that vessel. And the weakest of people, even the most physically weak, mentally weak, and the spiritually weak, God says, you see, when I use those people, they don't get the glory for their saying, I can't. And then all of a sudden I use them and he says, they're saying, I can't. Do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Sometimes it's like a light bulb moment, doesn't it? It comes on. Well, we all know it's in the back of our head there and we could quote it. But I can't. I can't. And then when we go on in him, step out in that word of faith of him that he's given us. I can do all things through Christ. In the context, not jumping out of the plane, by the way, without the parachute. In the context of his glory in the scripture, I can do all things. Lord, I'm doing this. And if it doesn't work, it's not off me because I can't do it. You know why you're here this morning? Do you know why you have come in to CET in Guildford this morning? Do you know why this place is packed right to the back wall there this morning? Because God moved in your heart. God got you up and out of bed. God got you into a car or by foot, whatever mode of transport, and brought you here, that you'd hear words that he'll say, no, you can't, you're weak. But that's the vessels he uses. He's taking the foolish things and the weak things. Isn't that right? And what's it for? To confound the mighty. The ones who are saying, I can do, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm the other. And the condemners and all of that. Listen, brothers and sisters, they're not who God's using. Look at the fruit of the life. Look at the fruit of their walk. Look at the fruit of the speech. He takes the man and the woman and says, Lord, I'm not up to much, but if you can do anything with me, you hear how I use me. Why? That the excellency may be of God and not of us. I'm not saying this in a, in a false modesty or humility or anything. This is true. On a regular occasion, I'd be talking to the Lord and I would say sometimes, Lord, Surely these people don't turn up to hear my voice. They turn up to hear my voice, dear help them. I don't even like the sound of my own voice. But Lord, they're turning up to hear your word. It's your voice. Through the weakest of vessels. The weakest of them. 
Paul says, look at his life. Here's a man used by God that the excellency, the power, excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled in every side. Who's ever went through a time when you've been troubled in every side? Everywhere you go, you're under pressure. The devil's attacking, or worse than that, you're attacking yourself. <laughs> and you've looked in the mirror and you've seen your worst enemy. The devil is not your worst enemy, brother, sister. He's not your worst enemy. You know who your worst enemy is? Yourself. When you look in the mirror, that man or woman looking back at you. You know one you think looks the same 20, 30 years ago and you look in the mirror and they're still looking the same? <laughs> Did you ever get you walking down the road and you see a man or a woman you went to school with and you sure maybe just left school wouldn't know but see whenever you get about another 30 years out of school or more and you walk down the road and you realise yes, look at the age of him <laughs> he must have had a hard paper round look at him he's really old looking you look at yourself and you think you're only a couple of years older looking than what you, where you went to school he's probably looking at you and going look at the age of him he must have had a hard paper round See that same person? That's because inside the real you, the soul, and the man and the woman, they're remaining the same, but the outward shell, the outward man and woman is perishing. When you look, that's what you see. There's your greatest opponent every morning in the mirror. Not the devil. Listen, I'm washed in the blood. The devil's defeated. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. The devil has no claim over me. No hold over me. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's completely vanquished and defeated. But every time I get up and look in the mirror, the first thing you get up and your hair's all over the place, that's for those of us that have hair. (laughs) All right, Richard? (laughs) And Lloyd, I'll stop there before I get a beating when I get out. And your hair's like this all over the place. Or your eye, one eye's lower than the other when you first get up. You put your teeth in. <laughs> it's not right no much. <laughs> There's your opponent. There's your greatest opponent. Not the devil. And it's not the world. See the world and all they're doing and their hatred toward the gospel and the things of God. That's not our greatest opponent. Because see, once we realize, yes, we are weak, yes, we are perishing, but inside is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when we go out, guess who goes with us? He does. Amen. When you go to work, he does. When you're down to shops, he does. And Paul says that we're persecuted on every side, but yet he knew within him was the Holy Spirit. Persecuted but not forsaken. Pardon me. Troubled in every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Listen, you've come through too much, brother. I'm talking to me here, okay? You've come through too much, Ken. That man in the mirror. You've come through too much to give up now. Did you hear that, sister? You've come through too much. God has brought you through this far. Will not forsake you. He will not leave you. I will. What is it? 
Never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the word never, it's an improper verb, which means it has no ending. I will never, 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 never leave thee nor forsake thee is the way it goes. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thee forsake nor thee leave never will I. It's the same back to front. You've come too far. When the world is pressing in, (laughs) the world has no hold on you. When the devil is attacking, he has no authority over you. But when the flesh is condemning you, ah, you might feel your aches and pains. You might feel your aches and pains. But there's going to come a time when he returns. There'll be no more aches and there'll be no more pains. For he will change our vile bodies to be fashioned like onto his own glorious body. Notice Paul says, persecuted enough, forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You've come too far. You're not destroyed. Well, there may be things that have almost destroyed you. Circumstances that have almost destroyed you. People who have tried to destroy you. It's been difficult. It's been hard. It's been troublesome. It's wearied you. But I can tell you, you're here. Come on, brother. Sister, do you hear that? You're here. And you're not here because of yourself. Or you have said, I can't. He has carried you. This morning you say, I come. I can't do certain things against his word. Well, look at that. I'm going to do another meeting or two of this. We'll see how we get on. But this morning you're here. I can do all things through Christ. It strengtheneth me. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. How did he ever get through that? How did she ever cope? When you see the excellency may be of the power of God and not of us. You're here, you're not destroyed. He's brought you thus far, won't leave you nor forsake you. And here... You're glorifying Christ for what you've come through, what you're going through. You're glorifying Christ that he's always been your view. Lord, sometimes I lose the view of you, but it's in your heart, not your vision. I can't see out of this, but I know you'll get me through us. In the darkest valley, I need fear no well. For my shepherd will will be with me still. In the darkest valley I need fear no well. For thee my shepherd Father. Wow.
isn't he? We're following. Yes. Now the Spirit of the Lord ministers to our hearts this morning. Notice, will you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7? In verse 5, please. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. See, when you think of people, it's like we're wafting to heaven in a handbasket, you know. It's like the little house on the prairie with the little white picket fence and the ministers going ding, ding, ding on the little bell, welcoming everybody to come round, running around in, our, in, in the church. Everything's rosy. It's brothers and sisters. Being a Christian is a fight. Yes. It's a battle. Yes. But we've got a great captain. Yes. We're on the winning team. I've read the back of the book of you. Yes. We win. He wins. <laughs> I notice this. Verse 5, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Everywhere we went, we were exhausted. We were tired of it and tired with it. Without were fightings, within were fears. Anxieties inside. You know, as a Christian, do you ever get anxious? Oh, you know, as a Christian, you shouldn't get anxious. But let me tell you, you're a human. Of course. We're all human. Do I ever get anxious? Yes. Do you know what I get anxious about? My life? No. <coughs> Family or what? No. Not really. Do you know what my biggest anxiety is, if I can call it that? My anxiousness is you. Not that you're bad and doing anything, by the way. I want every one of you to do well. And when you're missing from even God's house, I'm concerned about you. I'm fearful for some. My biggest anxiety is the church here in Guilford. Constantly on my mind, 24-7. Literally dream about it. I was going to say I dream about this, but the one you think I'm getting weird. (laughs) Whatever the anxiety is, it's still an anxiety, isn't it? Where I need to leave you with God, don't I? And I do that. And it's such a relief. Yes, it is. His church and he'll build his church and it's not me. And then the anxiety comes about it again and I hold on to it and I nurse it a little bit. And I'm lying at three and four in the morning thinking about Tom, Dick and Holly, uh, uh, Harry and Sally and Bob and Joe and all sorts of people. They don't come to this church, by the way. <laughs> How are they? What are they like? 
Concerned how some would live their life and walk the walk. Concerned where they are with Christ. I'm concerned about their families. Notice, without our fightings, the world doesn't mean anything to me. See, I'm speaking to me because this spoke to me. This was the Lord ministering to me. Told me to give it to you. The world doesn't mean anything to me. I want to see them saved. But in the sense that they it's no hold in me. Sometimes within our fears. Of where people are. In their walk and concerned. And when you hurt, the shepherd hurts. Troubled on every side, without were fightings, within were fears. Look at verse 6. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God always sends someone your way in your worst of times, in your deepest of desiring moments of distress, He sends a man or maybe a woman, whoever it may be, along your path just to help. One who loves him. If it's one who doesn't love him, don't bother taking their counsel as in the sense of your walk with God. But if it's one that loves him. And Paul says, all this was going on around us. God Comforted me. How did he comfort you, Paul? Did he send a big angel down? No. How did he comfort you, Paul? Did, did, did he come alongside of you and as a, a big burning bush? No. How did he comfort you? He sent somebody along who loves him. And we talked about Jesus. Someone in the faith. Someone of good company. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Let your eye run down to verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, notice, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 39 stripes he got five times from the Jews. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Paul says that people who say they love me but treat me wrong and say things wrong and do things wrong and come against me of all these different, there's a string of perils. 
That's some pearl necklace to wear, isn't it? And Paul says, this is my life for Christ. Where would you have gave up, brother, sister? Just for, let's just measure this for a moment if we can. Uh, so look, look at verse 23. In labors more abundant, would we give up because it was too laborious? Would we give up because, well, you know, I have to really stick at this ministry and I don't feel like doing it tonight? Would, would you stick? Would, would, would we give up there? In stripes above measure, whippings. Oh dear. <laughs> Let's bring this down a little just to just get the gravity of this. So, Ken, you say you would do this for the Lord and you would surrender all for Him and you'd do anything or go anywhere for Him. Would you stand up with a group of angry men, a gang of angry men? How, how deep is your love for Christ? Much do you love the Lord Jesus? Would you stand with a, a room full of, say, men like this, a fool like this? They buried you in a hole in the sand with your arms down by your sides, almost up to your neck, or over your waist, up to your chest. Why they beat you with rocks and they hit around the head. Do you love them that much? I love them that much. I put it on Facebook. Isn't that true? But we won't give up. We won't allow ourselves to step out of comfort. We wouldn't do without a meal to go fasting sometimes. We won't give up to be in his house. Notice this. Stripes above measure in prisons more frequent. So he's in and out of prison. Would we love him enough that we would be go to prison for him? I don't want to turn down the, the tone of the meeting here. I'm going to close this in a minute. But brother, sister, see in all honesty, it's coming. It's coming. But here's what will happen. Here's what will happen. The wheat will be separated from tares. In the sense that there will be those who profess Christ and their love for him. And those who possess Christ and their love for Him. It's coming. Notice in death so oft, five times of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one. Five times he was whipped. 39 lashes. They did 39 because they didn't want to break the law. Over 40 in case they miscounted, they took one off. That's why it was 39, not 40. 
Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Been in the deep. All for the cause of Christ. All for the cause of Christ. We can't get Christians to give up the world. And he goes through his string of perils. Verse 27, and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. (laughs) Paul says, see all of that? Do you know what's probably the worst for me? What he says, the curve of all the churches. (laughs) He was thinking of the souls of men and women in the churches that he that he had ministered at and won for Christ. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Here's his humanity. I love it because we, he seems like a superman, doesn't he? He seems like nothing's harm, uh, 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 touching Paul here. Like Paul's just sailing through this and there's no problem. He says, who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. You think I don't get offended, he says. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concerneth man firmly. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Second Corinthians 12, as we round this up. And we'll look at verse 7. And lest I should be exalted... Above measure. Would you say above measure? measure. Would you say it one more time? Ah, here we go. See, this is this is where we started with the flesh. The old above measure man. The old above measure woman. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Notice, through the abundance of the revelations. Here's a man who's had revelations of God. It's Paul who tells us about the breaking of bread. Jesus institutes it. Died, buried, has risen again. Paul now, the last, as it were, of the... He's not the apostle of the Lamb, but he's apostle of the risen Lord. And here, he's actually taken it, and he's nearly given us a commentary on the breaking of bread. Paul, who's had all the revelation from uh, the Old Testament concerning Israel, and, and he's now and, and Israel scattered, and, and he's given us all of this revelation and the, the, the redemption that's in Christ. All these revelations of God. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, and there was given me, given to me a messenger, given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. To buffet me. The thorn in the flesh wasn't his eyesight, brothers and sisters. People say, oh, well, he says you'd pluck out your eyes and you'd give me your eyes if you could. It wasn't his eyesight. That's not his thorn in his flesh. It wasn't his health. That wasn't a thorn in his flesh. One retrobate tried to say that he was a homosexual. That's not a thorn. It wasn't a thorn in his flesh. The thorn in his flesh were the attacks of the Jews 
and of men like Alexander the coppersmith. All that we have read was the thorn in his flesh five times. He was whipped 39 lashes of them. That was the thorn in his flesh. And why? It keeps him in remembrance, keeps him in mind who he really is. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. <laughs> it keeps him in remembrance and in mind who he is in himself. Paul has revelations. Paul is starting to get above measure. Paul is saying, I'm a great swelling guy. Look at me. And Jesus speaks to me and blah, 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 blah. And the Lord says, I'll just allow these thorns to come and prick you for a while. And you know what happens when you get a balloon? You pop it with a thorn or a needle. You ever felt like that? Can't do this. And you realize who you are. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then the Lord shows you that he's with you. I can. I can. Look at what he says. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Here's what everybody says, and it's true. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. But it doesn't stop there, brothers and sisters. His grace is sufficient. It's by grace, unmerited favor, that we are able to get through these situations. My grace is sufficient for thee. Notice what he says. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Why? Because you're realizing I can't. The glory isn't mine. The excellency of this isn't mine. Lord, if it's up to me, it won't happen. I can't. I don't even feel like getting out of bed this morning. I can't. But I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. I can do it because you'll give me the grace. You enabled me to keep going. And to walk with you. I can. Brother, sister, this morning. You can. You can for his glory. You're weak. You can. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Look what Paul says. Most. Gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's the thing about this. When you're at your worst, I'm not talking about people who are going and sinning. I'm talking about people who are wanting to go on with God but are feeling that weakness or even that. All those things we spoke about. When you're at your weakness, And you're realizing you've got through the day. And you're realizing God's been there. And you're realizing that the people are turning up the church, Ken. Look, you weren't carrying it. Oh, yeah, you were carrying it, but you weren't meant to. You weren't doing it. The people are okay. 
And the people are getting on with their life, but they're going on with God all right. And yes, be there to help and minister and so on. And, and all of those things. And when I see the, the, the people come in the doors and we're all here and the, the band were so wonderfully playing and all them worshipping around the Lord's table. And, you know, and I'm going, but Lord, this isn't of me. It's not of Pastor Lord. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. See where you are this morning, brother, sister, in your weakness. The power of Christ is resting on you. Come on, think about it. You're here not in your own strength. You're here in your weakness, but it's his power that brought you here. It's his power that has you here to listen to this word this morning. I can't. Yeah, maybe. I can't. God willing, next week I'm, believe it or not, that was my first two lines. I just wrote a couple of scriptures on it. And I wrote five pages. We'll look at it somewhere in the Lord's will next week, okay? The Lord bless you this morning. You can do all things through Christ. which strength with you. Amen.